in a world, the year 2007. Hello everyone, Bri the Movie Guy here, along with co-host extraordinaire Cody Wilfong, and on today's podcast, we are talking about one of my absolute favorite action comedies of all time. We are going back to 2007, but we are, uh, what they say, hopping over the pond. I know, really bad accent, really bad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, terrible, but anyway, let's get into the fun stuff with Hot Fuzz. Hello everyone, Bri the Movie Guy here, along with co-host extraordinaire Cody Wilfung. How's it going, buddy? Living the dream. Living the dream, aren't we all? On today's podcast, we're going a bit... Oh, man, I was about to do an English impression. I'm going to hold off on those as much as possible, but it's going to be really hard when we get into our quote section. Now, uh, we're doing... Today's movie is Hot Fuzz, as you people know from our introduction. Um... It's always weird to say that when I the introduction is always actually the very last thing I record. That's how I play it, at least. But yeah, so we're doing Hot Fuzz today, which is a movie directed by Edgar Wright and written co-written by Edgar Wright with Simon Pegg. And it's the second of actually three films and um, that they all made together. And we will get into that whole trilogy and its proper name and why it's called that here in a bit, but, um, I just love these three guys together. The three men I'm referring to, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, we've mentioned, the writer, director, and co-writer, um, and also Simon Pegg is the star playing Nicholas Angel, but Nick Frost, who plays, uh, Danny, uh, in this movie, um, he was, he's, I think he's just, like, always kind of the MVP, in the movies, like in Shaun of the Dead, mm-hmm. he's his name's Ed Wright, yeah, if yeah. I'm remembering right. Okay, I'll, I'll look it yeah, because I I'm more focused on Hot Fuzz, right? Because he's Danny Danny Butterman, and uh, in this film, but I love him as Ed, and he just steals the show in this movie. Like from the second he enters frame, he is hilarious. We. It, it, he is Ed. Ah, oh, score. Yeah, I love. I I just Edgar Wright is one of those. We've been doing a lot of directors I just genuinely love recently, I found out. But yeah, no, Edgar Wright's one of those, like, directors that has grown just really high on my list throughout the years. Modern directors, I should say. Like, I put him up there probably with, when I talk about modern directors, like Christopher Nolan. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson's kind of, like, a weird, because he's more like, he emerged in the 90s. Sort of like David Fincher did, so I don't consider them like modern directors, even though I guess we could put them in there. But those are two act- directors I would definitely put into the category. Um, obviously, I have talked openly about my daughter Ramona, who is openly named after Ramona Flowers from Edgar Wright's film Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which it now has an anime on Netflix, a cartoon with the original cast doing the voices. So I haven't checked that out. I'm Chris really ashamed. Chris Evans is in it, yes, it still is, as um, as uh, Lucas Lee. And then, um, see, haha, <laughs> my Rolodex had a roll there. Uh, but, yeah, so, anyway, I know this is a weird introduction, but I just want to, I just, I don't know. Edgar Wright has just been one of those directors who I feel like hasn't made a truly bad movie yet. Who? Wait, what? <laughs> what kind of, who's not dead? <laughs> you can't just say, damn, he's not dead. What? Bill Niley? Niley? 
Oh no, Bill Nye. Yeah, he just recently got nominated for Academy Award he, just picture, last year. In, in a movie called Living. That picture, he looks... I mean, he's not a young man, I will say that, but it's still, like, Bill Nye, he's just, he's a legendary guy. Timothy Anywho, Dalton is on a... Timothy Dalton is James Bond. He is an underrated James Bond. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. He was also in that uh, prequel. He was in that prequel to uh, Yellowstone. Yes, and he's also in Rocket Man for anyone who's fans of that, like me, for some weird reason. But anyway, um, it's just a fun adventure movie. Jennifer Conley is also in it, just throwing that out there. Anywho, uh, but this movie, let's get back on track. We are talking about Hot Fuzz today, and for the thousands in attendance and the millions in around the world. As a former London constable, Nicholas Angel, played by Simon Pegg, finds it difficult to adapt to his new assignment in the sleepy British village of Sanford. Not only does he miss the excitement of the big city, but he also has a well-meaning oaf, Nick Frost, played by Nick Frost, for a partner. However, when a series of grisly accidents, quote-unquote, rocks Sanford, Nick smells something rotten in the idyllic village. Um, as I mentioned, co-written and uh, by Wright and Peg and directed by Wright and stars... Okay, this... you you When you... I'm just going to say what you asked. You asked if this was an indie film or a very British film. And the answer is kind of yes to both, but not really the first one, but sort of, kind of, because... See, this film was only possibly made because of the success of Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is one of the greatest horror comedies of all time. I would actually put it up there as one of the best zombie horror films of all time, just because somehow, again, this is the genius of Edgar Wright, even though he makes these spoof movies, he's also making good stories. It's, it's, like the like the caper of this movie actually still works as a caper it's not, film. It's not like that. Uh, meet the Spartans. No, it's not just like a spoof to be a spoof. Yeah. It, you're not going to see it's King Leonidas going, "Come on, Barbie, let's go party." It's got, um, it's got a plot. It has a plot. It has and it has characters, and you like know the characters. The characters have lives and things that are repetitive throughout the movie that we will get into, especially, um, dare I say, for the greater good. The greater good. Yes, people, anytime movie? you hear that, we will... What was the will... last movie they made together? It was about them bar hopping. Yeah, the last one in the trilogy, the court... I think it's pronounced the Cornello. It's, it's an ice cream. The little ice cream thing we always see him eat, that's what it is. Um... Yes, it's called uh, end, end of the World yeah. to the uh, – is it called End of the World or End's World to the End's World? I've, I, I'm blanking on it. I can't world, remember. The wor world's End. The World's End, I, I think it's called. I can't remember the end of like, that plot. Look what it up because it's really bothering me right now. Just hit uh, – yeah, just hit – I think it's called the to the, wor the World's End. I think it's just called The World's End. World's End, 2003. Okay, The World – yeah, it came after – because I remember – I remember actually going to see it, and um, when we got there, um, they actually didn't expect people to want to see it, so they didn't have it listed in times, and they actually tried to throw a different movie in there, but me, the person I was with at the time, and then like a bunch of other people that were also behind me were there to see that movie, and so they had to make a theater for us, and it got 
pretty good crowd. Now, I will say... The plot to that movie is so stupid, though. That's what I was about to say. It is the weaker of the trilogy, which is ironic because, weirdly, in every single trilogy, it always seems like the third is the weakest. I'm looking at you, Terminator 3. Or Scream 3, or, uh, it goes on. Return of the Jedi is really beloved now, considering that there's... I think because it's part of a saga, it kind of loses that... But as I was saying before the weird interruption, um, I think because it's part of a saga and not just a lone trilogy, that's why Return of the Jedi kind of is better now. But it, out of the three, I still find it weaker. Might be an unpopular opinion. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I remember seeing that. It's still a fun movie. I still appreciate it. Again, Edgar Wright's one of those directors I really just appreciate, and I love everything he's done. Um, last night of Soho, I need to give another watch. I liked it, but I think, like, I don't know, there was something about it that was just almost a little too different than what I was expecting, that maybe I just, maybe a second watch, I'll be like, fuck, I love that movie. I don't know. We'll find out, though. Um, but yeah, let's going back into here. This movie stars hodgepodge of British actors. I will start first with the stars. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. Then we have Timothy Dalton. And from here on out, I will with some of these, I will name a movie or series that they are most likely known for. Timothy Dalton, what is a former James Bond, as we mentioned. Patty Conston, he's one of the Andes. He is recently known for The House of Dragon and one of the best acted just just characters of the year, honestly. Um, Jim Bro uh, Broadbent, he's known for the Harry Potter franchise as Slughorn, Professor Slughorn. Uh, Bill Nye from Love Actually, we've brought him up. Uh, Olivia Coleman, she won her Oscar for Best Actress for The Favorite. And then, but the, but we are not limited to to just those people. We have some screen legends, of course. We have Billy Whitelaw from The Omen. Um, Eddie Woodrow, he was the original Equalizer from the Equalizer series. And then Paul Freeman, who was from Raiders of the Lost Ark as uh, one of the main antagonists of that film. Um, but this also includes many British properties. British actors from properties such as Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Doctor Who, including David Bradley, Rory McCain, Lucy Punch, and Martin Freeman, including an a small cameo, but as a masked person, an Academy Award-winning actress, Kate Blanchett, including also two directors, Gareth Edwards and Peter Jackson, making very small cameos. This is a hodgepodge of British actors and directors and creatives. Like, these people just got together and said, let's make something awesome. And they fucking did. Because I love this movie. I'm just going to... We're going to enter this movie with some good-ass vibes. Because that's the only way we can today, Cody. Because this is a good-ass movie. Um, But we are the What If podcast. And I have some sad news. I only found one What If. <laughs> you see my problem here. <laughs> So I do have a couple so-so mm, mm, what-ifs. Uh, the first one is the real what-if. Now, I like this what-if because I like what they did with this what-if. The first draft of the script included a love interest for Nicholas named Victoria. She was cut, though, for um, uh, subsequent drafts. 
Um, but a good amount of her dialogue was given to Danny, often without any changes, and it really shows shows throughout with a lot of how they talk throughout the whole movie. My first thought was, um, <laughs> like, like for instance, when when Nicholas and Janine break up in that hilarious in the crime scene, um, crime scene scene. Um, she talks about how he can't turn it off and when will you find someone who can finally just make you just live in the moment kind of thing, stuff like that. And he just, he literally just can't turn off that cop part of his brain. (laughs) And so like, it's funny watching this movie and Danny is literally that person that comes to his life and gets him like, when he finds out it's Danny's birthday, what's the, what's the first thing he thinks to do? Oh, I'm going to do a, run a personal errand. What's the f- first thing he tells Danny, like, the first day they're patrolling? We just can't run around and do personal errands all day. So he <laughs> changes for Danny because he loves Danny. Danny's like his brother. They they have a great bromance, which, secretly, this has been a bromance month. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that after Goodfellas, which is, like, the weirdest kind of bromance, but, I mean, it's literally about um, <clears throat> Henry Hill's you know, thing with Tommy and, uh, but we're, what? Tommy. Tommy and Jimmy and all them, but we won't get into that, which I'm going to apologize to the listeners. When I talk about movies that are like my all time favorites, I know the fan base and how they are. I get super fucking nervous and it makes me almost forget everything. (laughs) But it, anyway, that's not the point here. Let's get back into this. We gotta, we gotta find someone for Victoria. So what did I do? I looked up people who'd be kind of in the age range of Simon Pegg. And these are the possible actresses. I picked actresses that were over 40, even though Simon Pegg is in even his if 50s. Not British? No, no, I picked British actresses uh, because say. one of the things, and this can be a what if if you want to talk about it, which it would be kind of a fun little discussion. It, it was because I, I listened to director commentary for this movie, which I have listened to movie commentary before for other movies, but it's not like something I like to do because it really, I don't know, takes away from watching the movie because you're kind of more focused on them. Now, if it's a movie you've seen a bunch of times, it's a fun little thing because I do feel like doing it because I haven't done the whole listening to commentary while we've done this podcast. I feel like I've learned a lot more. And when we were going through IMDb and shit, well, when I was going through IMDb and shit, but or, well, it doesn't matter who was going through IMDb and shit. Somebody was. <laughs> but, um, I found things that were inaccurate right away. And I was like, this is why I call it 70% facts, because I don't know which are facts and which are kind of like BS. So, here, but he wanted the movie to be like, he liked that it was an all British cast and he didn't like the, he was kind of like glad that there was no Americans in it. Cause then he would have to have like the funny American FBI agent, which ironically Martin Freeman kind of becomes when Black yeah. Panther rolls around. Go figure. Um, and he's a British actor playing an American weird, but anyway, uh, no, it's not weird. I have like Martin Freeman in that role a lot actually as Ross, but, um, here are the actresses. Let me just finally get to the damn point. Um, Kate Winslet, of course, very first one I thought of. Because um, I feel like she could do comedies. You know, she she did the romantic comedy stuff. And I feel like if they're mocking romantic comedies, I feel like she could get into that kind as of spirit. As long as it's not Melissa McCarthy. 
Well, she's not British. Uh, <laughs> uh, my next choice was Hel- Helena Bonham Carter. Um, she's kind of... She's a serious actress, of course, but she can play those sillier parts. And I feel like her against Peg, it kind of makes sense to me. Plus, I feel like Victoria... She could be just someone who lives in Sanford, but I feel like they would maybe want her to be a cop, in which, why can't we look at Olivia Coleman's character? But then that's a whole different what-if that we can get into here in a few minutes. Um, the next person I thought of, if we want to switch race but keep them British, uh, Sandy Newton. I probably didn't say her first name right, but she's known for for Westworld now. I know her mostly from Mission Impossible 2, which is the least well-liked Mission Impossible, but I think I just, that was the first thing I ever saw her in. So I always go back to that, but she's fantastic in Westworld, though, just throwing that out there. Um, And then my last choice, which I think would actually be the best choice, is Rachel Wise or Weeze. I'm not... 100% 100% sure. I've heard both sayings of her name in the past. Uh, she's known for playing uh, Helen. Is it Helen in The Mummy? Opposite Brandon Fraser? I think it's Helen. Eve. No, it's Eve. Yeah, it's, it's Eve. Eve. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, I caught myself, folks. <laughs> Fuck you, future Brian. <laughs> we have, I haven't used future Brian in a long time, actually. Episodes. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's kind of like extra work that I don't need to do, but it is a fun gag to throw in. I just, I do it for the com. I do it for comedy purposes. I'm not going to lie. It's just for funsies. But (laughs) if I, if it is something where I feel like I'm, if, if I feel like it's disrespectful to who I'm talking about, I am always more than happy to like go in and like, okay, I fucked up. Um, Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, I made a mistake. Uh, anyway, but yeah, Rachel Wise or Weeze, however you say it, uh, known, of course, for The Mummy. I think she would be perfect uh, opposite Simon Pegg. I think she could fit in that comedy action, but also kind of uh, making fun of love movies at the same kind, at the same time kind of thing. Um, and then I mentioned the, the Olivia Coleman thing because she is a female cop that's already in the movie. Um, well, the thing is, if we make her the love interest, then, um, oh wait, no, 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 we don't need to go into that because that's a whole different what if. I do have a different what if written here. Sorry. I'm just going to cut that out. (laughs) I'm probably going to cut that out. Uh, the other what if I have though, we won't talk about the Olivia Coleman thing. The other what if I have here, I thought because they said that the role of Simon Skinner was written for Timothy, uh, Dalton in mind. So I thought, well, if he declined it, who else could have played it? So I kind of looked up actors around his age, but not quite his age. And there's like two people I instantly thought of. Of course, his James Bond successor, Pierce Brosnan, instantly. I was like, he would have been great as Simon Skinner. Just the guy who just kind of owns the town, just like... Vin Diesel. There's the door. (laughs) Get out, co-host extraordinaire. (laughs) And then the... (laughs) Vin Diesel and Hot Fuzz, man. <laughs> Can we, I'm trying to think of how a British-sounding Vin Diesel... Because you, you, you got two choices. You can drink a Corona, or you can have whatever he's drinking, which is also a Corona. And then let's put a little... Do a little British shock set. Oh, I feel cockney! Sounds more Irish. <laughs> have you watched Beer Fest? Yes. 
I love when they first get into the match and they meet the Brits and like I don't know if those guys are really British, but there's there's the one who's talking like a Jolly Roger. <laughs> I love those guys though. We gotta do beer fest on here. Tries, I would happily try to do drink the entire like giant like thing he fell in of beer. Oh, it's when uh it's Monique is she is it turns out is a secret spy and it's landfill and he catches her and so he's trying to fight her off and she pushes him in and he can't get up because it's the yeast baby and he's like sitting there and he's like oh god I'm about to die he's taking his uh his uh what's it called the pocket knife and he's trying to stab the thing so he's like all right I just got to drink myself out of here oh and it starts like tunneling to him and it looks like he might get out but then they come in there and it's uh i think it's Fitz goes in there and he finds him floating just dead inside of the uh inside of uh the beer <sighs> those are the what ifs we have but oh no i know the other what if i we could possibly do the other what if i thought about and if you want to we can talk about it but the thing is i didn't do any research into this one but what if this was American-made? I don't think they would probably, like, actually, we already can, like, determine this right now. The movie would be made like Scary Movie, because if this is 2007... Oh, it's gonna suck. This is 2007, I'm trying to remember, was this the same year as another Scary Movie, or was this, like, that superhero movie? I, I, it was a lot. It, There was a lot happening, but this would probably be called Cop Movie... They wouldn't be called oh, Hot this Fuzz. Is such a yep. fucking bad <laughs> It'd be called Cop what is Movie. It? Isn't there a movie called Cop Out? There is, and it's not that good. <laughs> if I'm not going to lie. Um, but no, it'd be called Cop Movie, or Police Movie, or something like that. It would probably... You know what? I'm going to open up my letterbox. I'm going to be real careful not to fuck up my recording here. Because Letterboxd is honestly... I know I talk up Letterboxd a lot, but I seriously just fucking love it. We're going to go back in time, though. This is why it's a handy fucking tool, though. Because we're going to go to 2007. We're going to look at some comedies, Cody. You want to look at some comedies with me? Oh, you know what I know of right now? Super bad. That just popped in my head. So we're in the Apatow it, era. It was... We're in the Apatow era where there's... How many spoof movies are actually happening, then? Ooh, okay, but let's say, man, who would be in this? This is a, you know what? I could see this making, let me look at some action. Can we do action, can Can I choose two? Okay, I can choose two at the same time. Okay, so Russia, okay, Epic Movie was coming out. So, more than likely, it would have been one of those kind of movies. Or they would have tried to make it a semi-big-budget movie. But it'd be like one of those big-budget movies where they get the big actors of the time. But it actually doesn't pan Jesus. out like they want to. Epic movie just looks like a shit stain. It is. It is. Don't don't look at those. It has a 2% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's why we don't look at those, Cody. <laughs> 2.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Good God. Good Lord. But anyway, so like... The biggest movies at this time, we have the Apatow films, Pirates of the Caribbean films were happening, 
A lot of Johnny Depp. I don't think Johnny Depp would have been in it. I could see this. <clears throat> okay, so this was the dawn. You know what? They would have tried to work this as a Born Ultimatum spoof. Because uh, Born Ultimatum came out this year. And that's how that shit worked but most you can, of the time. In those movies, you can't. If you're doing a marriage. Wait, you know what? If it's. Okay, let's be logical here. This movie would have came out in 2007. It would have been spoofing the action films. If you do an American spoof, that means you can't have, like, grade A actors like Mark Wahlberg or... Well, they would have been spoofing 2006 action films at this point. I still feel like you can't have those kind of actors in a Because I see 300 in 2006. We know of that. But... I think The Departed would be the spoofed movie of 2006. You almost need, like... It, I, Hot Fuzz would have became a spoof movie of The Departed. I almost, almost guarantee it. You almost need, like, actors, like, on B-list. That's what. That's the only actors they could get to probably... If It depends on how they work it. If they stay true to, like, this... See, in 2006 was when Scary Movie 4 also came out. So... Again, those spoof movies came out every year. They were quick. I could totally see this being one of them. But yeah, anyway, let's get out of the what-ifs. We talked about it for a little bit because God knows it would have been bad as probably... if No, if Edgar Wright stayed on, it could probably be steered the right way, but there would probably be a lot of studio interference now this again like we, i talked about the success of Shaun of the dead this movie was only possible for them to do what they want because of the success of Shaun of the dead but yeah now it's time you'd have to have like seth rogan i don't know if this would be good you know what if because if seth rogan could have used this instead of uh observe and report <laughs> for his like oh yeah you you're like the only one <laughs> you're like the only one man <laughs> nah it, it has its Ronnie. moments <laughs> fuck you Ronnie um you Osama Bin Laden <laughs> oh shit <laughs> or he's like having I'm not sex. even gonna edit that one out he's having sex with that girl and she's throwing up and he's stops and she's like why the fuck did you stop motherfucker oh I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I think uh, her name is what Brandy or something like that. I know it's Anna Ferris. I just can't remember her name. But anyway, <laughs> now code short hair. Seth Rogen is hilarious. He looked so weird because he didn't have his beard. That was like we saw him without his beard and knocked up. But he was kind of scruffy. But he had his and you know it's well I can say it. It was Jew bro. You're you're like one percent Jewish. No, you? I'm a quarter Jewish. Get it right, man. But anyway, <laughs> um, that whole plot was him trying to find the Flasher, wasn't it? Wait, because there was a guy going around the the mall flashing people. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I I got I was talking about knocked up. So like you went back to observe and report on me. You skid you skidded on me, man. How dare you? But anyway. <sighs> Yeah, this were I could see this as a Seth Rogen vehicle. You, you know what that means? It'd be on par with Green Hornet. Who would be Danny? Jonah Hill. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Who I would love for Danny? Because he would have to be the lovable idiot. Well, no, that could, that could be no. 
Is he too young? Because Superbad is a year later. He was in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Or no, he's in 2007. No, was he in 40? Yeah, he was in 40-Year-Old Virgin. He's in 40-Year-Old Virgin, but he looks young in 40-Year-Old Virgin. He's trying to buy this. Because, like, Danny has to be a grown man. So I feel like, could we go Paul Rudd? Or Jason Segel? Doesn't he have to be fat? Not saying he's fat, but he's husky. I mean, I guess they can be a husky actor. Who? Zach Galifianakis? You know what? Have Zach Galifianakis and Seth Rogen been in a movie together? Two different directors. I mean, what if? How would you feel about? How would you feel? (laughs) What if a Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson-driven Hot Fuzz? I want them to be in a movie again together. You know what this could have been? This could have been the other guys. Vince Vaughn's looking pretty old right now. This could have been Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. No, I'm kidding. We don't need to do that with this. The Rock. The Rock. Oh, God, no. What are you, The Rock? (laughs) (laughs) You did it again! (laughs) Can I say something? I'm going to say something before we go to our next category. I rewatched both. I've been sick the past couple days. And I rewatched both Home Alone movies recently, on top of watching Hot Fuzz three times now. And Buzz is an asshole. Buzz has no reason to be that big of a dick, and that family is fucking awful to Kevin. Like, seriously, like, here's, here's what I don't understand. Like, how fucking... Okay, let me, let me... He reminds me of the Boz. The, yes, well, hold on. When we see them go into the kitchen for the pizzas, Kevin is merely, like, a maybe a few seconds behind them. And from the moment Kevin is dashing into the kitchen, Buzz is somehow able to eat an entire cheese pizza by himself. And then, like, when everybody sees, like, first of all, Nobody hears Buzz annoyingly fake yakking in the corner. Like, what What the fuck is that? And then, like, nobody... And then the second one... Oh, I hate the second movie. That movie is like, why is this a classic? Why do I still watch it? It's nostalgic. But, like, Buzz 150% deserved the shit he got in the beginning. But yet, they are they just treat Kevin like a fucking pariah for, like, defending himself. And now, granted, he did kind of knock everyone down, like, okay, but, like, he, Buzz is publicly, like, and first of all, the teacher's not telling Buzz to stop air drumming on your brother's head with candles. Like, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, you know what, I, I, fuck it, fuck (laughs) it. All right, next, next category. We are now in our first category of the night, uh, well... I guess it's our second category because we have what the what ifs. I know, I know, I know. I just counted it as our as our first. I don't know why. I'm talking about the sunglasses. Hey man, <laughs> I, I'm just chilling. Anyway, uh, we are in. <laughs> Where's the sun at? It's everywhere, man. It's <laughs> you. You watch Benchwarmers? Yes. Uh, I can't. What's what's Nick Swanson's character uh, saying? The one that's afraid of the sun. Is it Huey? Yeah. Yeah, he's like, he's gonna stay inside where the sun away, it's safer. And he slams the door. I love that one. He he tries to go around the corners and everything. (laughs) I love when he goes for the Girl Scout cookies and he has the sword and he's just like running for his life. 
It's not a life I'd like to live. No, not definitely not. We're in seventy percent facts, so we're go we'll go through these a little quickly because we got a lot of stuff to talk about with this movie. So, um, as we mentioned, the line "The greater good." The greater good is never said just once. Every time a character says it, at least one other character repeats it. And I've noticed that there's a few words that kind of have that same rhythm. Like when they repeat the lady's age of 53. 53. Um, the second uh, in Simon Pegg and Edgar, Edgar Wright's unofficial Blood and Ice Cream trilogy, the first was Shaun of the Dead and the third is The World's End, a.k.a. the Cornito Trilogy. Um, this, the movie started, starts out with the sounds of the history of police sirens. Um, the beginning is not a point blank reference. Uh, it's actually just a happy accident. The location just had the right look to it. Uh, most montage sequences and or quick cut moments were done before principal photography started of the movie. Um, so anytime, like, we see any montage of Chris Angel, or... Chris Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Angel. Um, yeah, it was done before the movie even started filming. Um, all the bike skidding stuff, and every time you like see him skid on his feet, that's Simon Pegg actually doing it. He actually took like training courses to learn how to do that bike skid in the beginning. Um, Peter Jackson, I mentioned, makes a cameo in this movie, known as the very well-known director of The Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films. Um, he is the Santa who stabs Nicholas Angel in his hand. Um, and it, they were, I was listening to this on commentary and they, when he described his, uh, cameo to him, he said, think Hitchcock, but quicker, think Quickcock. Um, Martin Freeman is in this movie because it, around their little like group of friends, it's, it's a joke that he's the other Simon Pegg and that's why he's casted as like the complete opposite of Nicholas Angel's character. Um, Bill Nye agreed to do his cameo if they wrote him just one more joke in the script. Um, everything that you saw that was done with a helicopter or with a helicopter was done in one complete full day. Um, Edgar Wright says he stole his quick cuts from Scorsese, who he claimed is the granddaddy of the quick cuts, and he claimed, which he claimed in the commentary. Um, it was filmed in Wales, mostly in Wales, which is Wright's hometown. Um, when doing research with police, they said that they never saw uh, paperwork dramatized in cop movies. So every time that we see paperwork throughout the movie, that's why it's always like quick cuts and like quick like close-ups and like intense music in the background because they wanted to intensify what police work is, let's face it, mostly is. Paperwork. Um, it's other things, too. Let's not make a big deal here. Uh, uh, when in costume, Nick, Frost, and Simon Pegg were often assumed to be uh, police officers. Many strangers asked them for directions, and instead of telling the truth, they just kind of went along with it and just pointed them in the right direction and kind of made them feel powerful. Um, Samson the dog, who plays Saxon the dog, was not allowed to become a real police dog as he was considered too friendly. Uh, when Nicholas is chasing a shoplifter through the su supermarket, Danny is reading the taglines of the cheap action films in the Half Price Men. Super Cop, which is um, actually Police Story 3 for people who may or may not know, 
uh, titled Super Cop, Meet the Cop That Can't Be Stopped. When he realizes the chase is on, he throws the DVD back in the bin, and you can see a, there's a DVD copy of Shaun of the Dead. But instead of called Shaun of the Dead, it's called Zombies Party, which in certain countries, that's the release title of it. And then the price tag for the movie is covering Simon Pegg's face to not confuse people and make it like some sort of fourth wall breaking thing. Um, even though they, it's Shaun of the Dead. Anyway, uh, the picture of young Danny that we see in the movie is an actual photo of a young Nick Frost. So he really just kind of always looked like that. Um, the combination for the lock evidence room is 999, the same number as the telephone number of the police and other emergency services in Britain. Ours is 911 for who, who hopefully God, if you're listening, you already know. Um, towards the end of the movie, the missing swan can be seen re reunited with its owner, Mr. P.I. Staker. And when Sergeant Fisher is for first introduced, and I think this is a really great thing because it really just perfectly, it tells us everything we need to know about this character. There's a whiteboard with drawing behind it. This is everything that's circled that's pointing towards him. Inefficient, rude, disloyal, indecisive, non-committal, late, lack of leadership skills, and unfit. And yeah, that's that's all I have for our fun facts, Cody. Did you find them fun? Yeah. Okay, let's hope they were all facts. <laughs> On to the next! Alright, Cody, it's time to gun it to 88, but I call it this time, gun it to 88, it's the fuzz! Uh, for this... We are going to April 20th, 2007. That's when it was released in the U.S. Uh, it had a budget north of $9 million. It had an earnings. Uh, it earned in its opening weekend, had an uh, just over $5 million, and but it went on globally to earn over $80 million. Critics and audience alike score this film as follows. Rotten Tomatoes, it has a certified fresh score of 91%, with an 89% audience score. It's a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb, a 4.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd, a 4.5 out of 5 by me, and on Google it has a 4.4 out of 5 with a Mr. Romano giving it a 5 out of 5 just today saying, Hot Fuzz is a brilliant new British comedy that really hits its mark. Hands down, this fantastic film is the new benchmark in British comedies. Have you watched, when was the last time you watched this? I would say, because back when I lived with my parents, that's, that TV, sh that movie ran all the time. It's so good. So probably, I'd say 2000, probably before I deployed, so 2017. Okay, so it's been a minute. It's definitely yeah. been a minute. Not I mean, like yeah. the good Goodfellas when it was 1999. Oh, right, right. But yeah, so it's in recent memory. But yeah, we had to gun it really quickly because... Uh, yeah, I'm not feeling too well, Cody, so we might need to take another really quick break, but we'll just get into our next category. Fuck it. So, first, I want to apologize for cutting uh, the Gun It to 88 uh, section short. I wasn't feeling well on the original day of recording, and so I wanted to come back and kind of tell you guys a short story, because 
usually when we gun it back and we're looking at this time period, I want to talk about what the movie meant to me and stuff like that when it was released because this movie would have came out in 2007 and it's the, I would have been around 16 years old and that's kind of where the cusp of um, uh, uh, the list I talked about earlier, I think it was on this podcast, might have been the um, Goodfellas podcast, but I'm doing a list of all my uh any movie I watched in my childhood, doesn't matter if it was good or bad, I just wanted, I, I just felt compelled to make this list, and it's kind of eye-opening, like, I'm a little surprised about how lenient my parents were with uh, a lot of these movies, when you, oh, excuse me, I'm kind of waiting until, I'm at 300-something right now, but I think it once it hits 500 movies, I'm going to finally make it public for everyone to see, but anyway, so... Hot Fuzz became really on my radar, especially after Shaun of the Dead, because Shaun of the Dead was a huge thing. So me and my uh, best friend, high school best friend at the time, uh, Jake, and if you're listening out there, buddy, I don't know if you are. Uh, we've obviously lost touch throughout the years, but I hope nothing but the best for you, bud. And thank you for listening, of course. But uh, most of all, I send my best to you. But um, me and him made these movies, these YouTube videos, which um. I originally had this recorded for a bit, and then I revealed the title, and I was like, shit, they're going to be able to find it, but you, I'm going to make sure you nobody ever finds these videos, because they're bad, but uh, I used to just make stupid YouTube videos that like um, was either spoofs of movies or spoofs of ideas and stuff like that, and so um, one of them we did was a spoof of this, but it was about an American cop who went over to London and kind of made a doofus partner. And then like they had to solve this assignment and we just really wanted to make this stupid action packed movie. And it wasn't really action packed. It's really kind of bad, um, but it's a complete rip off of this. And we even wanted to make a sequel that never happened that I even had. Well, I, I, after a while I wanted to try to make like fake trailers and I thought like, cause there was a uh, Shaun of the dead, which is an obvious title spoof of Dawn of the dead. I came up with Ray of the dead, which would have been a spoof of day of the dead. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, me and my buddy, we made this awful spoof of, of hot fuzz, but it was so fun to make it because like, we wanted we get we copied the looks like down to a T to well as much as we could with because we, we were just high schoolers we didn't have a budget or anything we were using this car we flipped the screen whenever we drove just to make it look like we were driving in London um, you know stupid shit like that but it was a lot of fun and so this movie had like just a phenomenal impact on me out of you know at 16 but it all comes with the thanks of Shaun of the Dead like it really it it was one of those movies I feel like um sorry I was scratching my neck there um that uh I think helped the zombie boom really start um but yeah, I just wanted to share that with you guys because the Gun at 88 part was so short but and I have such a that's such a fond memory I have. And, it, it, you know, that was my high school best friend. And so any memory, you know, whether we talk or not anymore, um, it's, it's good memory because, you know, this world's too hard on us people to have any vendettas or to want anything but the best of people. And that's one thing I just want to encourage here, but more than anything, let's just have fun talking about movies. So, um, uh, now that I've been sappy, let's get back to our regular programming. 
We are in our last category of the evening, of course, and that is our, wait, listen, did you see that? AKA notes and quotes. And um, the first note I have is, of course, the entire opening of the movie where we see Nicholas Angel come in. He's walking down that hallway and he, we get his badge, but we get the great giant uh, voiceover of every accomplishment he's done. Police Constable Nicholas Angel, born and schooled in London, graduated Canterbury University in 1993 with a double first in politics and sociology, attended Hendon College of Police Training, displayed great aptitude in field exercises, notably urban pacification and riot control, academically excelled in theoretical coursework and final year examinations, received the Baton of Honor graduating with distinction into the Metropolitan Police Service. Quickly established an effectiveness and popularity within the community. Use your brain. Proceeded to improve skill base with courses in advanced driving and advanced cycling. Became heavily involved in a number of extravocational activities. To this day holds the net record for the 100 meter dash. In 2001, began active duty with the renowned SO-19 Armed Response Unit. Received a bravery award for efforts in the resolution of Operation Crackdown. In the last 12 months, has received nine special commendations. Achieved the highest arrest record for any officer in the net. And sustained three injuries in the line of duty. Most recently in December, when wounded by a man dressed as Father Christmas. It's, uh... It's quite extensive, but he he's pretty much like the Rambo. He is the super cop who can't be stopped. He is the Jackie Chan of Britain. Uh, <laughs> um, then we get the Nicholas gets promoted scene, which this scene works on so many different levels because as earlier when I talked in our 70% facts, Martin Freeman was like as jokingly casted because he's the opposite. Uh, he is the... I don't want to say the anti-Simon uh, Pegg. He's not like the evil the Simon Pegg. He's just like the opposite of him. Which is funny because um, I, I always pronounce pronounce the trilogy wrong. I know it's... it. I think it's Quintello. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I called it Quintello. I forget how I pronounced it Pronounced Cornholio. it yesterday. I, I, <laughs> or, yeah, I think that's how I... Quintello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, did you see that Mike Judge is actually like about to reboot King of the Hill? That's um, better than Beavis and Butthead. You see what I'm drinking with, by the way. I said Batman when we drink, when we record at my house, I will use my Batman Forever glasses, and I meant it. This is not my Batman cup. <laughs> they, they, I said I need my cup. I need something to drink, and I said, wait, nope, this isn't right. And then I went and grabbed my Batman cup, and here it is, <laughs> with the uh, with one of the wait, no, this isn't the one with the Batmobile. That one's Robin. This one just has. The really sweet logo over Gotham City, which weirdly has a Statue of Liberty, but we won't get into that. Um, but yeah, in that scene, though, we have Martin Freeman, who's kind of his higher up. And then his higher up, who he calls in, is Steve Coogan. And then his higher up is Bill Nye. So he just kind of works in the, like, the fame perspective of England and those actors at that point. So it's like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, I guess there was, like, a joke they said when... Um, but yeah, he like made the joke like when uh, Edgar Wright, this was a story from the director's commentary that um, uh, when Steve uh, Coogan found out, he was just like, so 
I am the superior of Martin Freeman, and my superior is Bill Nye. And he's like, yes. And he's like, okay, seems it's, seems appropriate. <laughs> sweet, Bill Nye, the science guy, was in it. But, well, he's not British, but we will consider that he for the American British. <laughs> what, what the, <laughs> is it the bow tie? I bet it's the bow tie. And the hairstyle. The hair, what does, that's, dude, that's like every dad 90s haircut back in the day. Um, but... I love that, though, that he's like, we'll just see what the team has to say about this. But, like, most of it, like, he's trying to get an answer the whole time. And everyone's just kind of like, you know, hello, Nicholas, how's the hand? Um, and then, he, you know, he gets up to see, like, what the team will think about this. And they're, they already have the banner up that says, we'll miss you, Nicholas, congratulations, shit like that, whatever. Because, you know, as uh, Bill Nye says... No, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to... Uh... You want to take this higher? Yes, yes, I do. You want me to bother the chief inspector with this? Yes. You want me to get the chief inspector to come all the way down here? Yes, I do. Okay. Kenneth! Hello, Nicholas. How's the hand? Still a bit stiff. Chief inspector. Keep your seat. Now, I know what you're going to say, but the fact is, you've been making us all look bad. I'm sorry, sir. Of course, we all appreciate your efforts, but you've been rather letting the side down. It's all about being a team player, Nicholas. You can't be the Sheriff of London. If we let you carry on running around town, you'll continue to be exceptional, and we can't have that. You'll put us all out of a job. With respect, sir, you can't just make people disappear. Yes, I can. I'm the Chief Inspector. The little joke, though, I guess, that was written that he agreed to do the movie is when he says, well, yes, I can make people disappear. I'm the chief inspector. He does this like little weird evil snarl at him. And that right there, that little joke just right there, I guess was it according to the director's commentary, unless I misunderstood it. Um, but then like Nicholas goes and talks to Janine. Nicholas, what do you want? Well, I have something important to tell you and I didn't want to do it over the phone. Janine, I've been transferred. I'm moving away for a while. Well, not Janine. <clears throat> Janine, I've been transferred. I'm moving away for a while. I know. Bob told me. Hello there. Well, I wanted to tell you in person. I mean, there's no reason we can't be civil <sighs> with each other. It's not that long ago we were talking about getting married. Yes, but you were already married to the force, weren't you? We're actually supposed to call it the service now. Official vocab guidelines state the force is too aggressive. See? It's only ever about the job. It's all you care about. That's not true. No, you're right. You do have that rubber plant. It's a Japanese piece, Lily. You just can't switch off, Nicholas. And until you find a person you care about more than your job, you never will. Yeah, that's Jon Snow. Isn't that the same throne that was in uh... Game of Thrones? No, House of Dragons. Yeah, but the House of Dragon one is a lot bigger. So what happened to it? Well, um... I didn't watch Game of Thrones. Well, that's... Game of Thrones is... Well, we can't get into that. We're on, <laughs> we're on Hot Fest right now. But uh, even though there's a lot of Game of Thrones people in this. But anyway, so... Not Jon Snow. Not Jon Snow. Um, but yeah, I love that scene because, one, Kate Blanchett really acts with her eyes like she we don't see her face we just hear her voice we see her eyes but even so if you just watch her eyes every part of that scene where there's supposed to be a different emotion like expressed you can see it on her face somehow just because just with her eyes and you know that's what, what if we put brad pitt in this he's not british what is with you in the america well i guess 
if we did the American version, but that would become like a Coen Brothers kind or of comedy. The guy from uh, Fast and Furious, he's Jason Statham's brother. Oh, um, Luke Evans. Yeah. Uh, Luke, I mean, he would actually be really good for Simon Skinner. To be honest, like he has but that. How old was he in two thousand seven? Like, let's say this was what if that was done today. Like, Simon Skinner, like, what do we see? Like, that guy, what was that? He was in a Hulu show recently that Melissa McCarthy did, where it was, like, a bunch of people, they were dealing... Well, it was actually really good. It was, like, <laughs> Seven Strangers or something like that. I forget what it was. It was on Hulu, and he was in it. And it was a more kind of dramatic role, but, like, he was kind of... I think he was supposed to be, like, a rich kind of guy, but I'm, he's also Gaston. So he can be that, like, I'm the mayor of the town kind of guy easily. I don't know why Mr. Beans just popped into my head. Mr. Rowan Atkinson? Because yeah. he's a great British actor. <laughs> and, and he's funny. He would actually be... You know what? He would... No, I would put him as... Um, Danny's dad. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Danny's dad. I can never remember Danny's dad's name, though. Um... Anywho. It wouldn't be as serious. What? I, I don't think it'd be as serious. I mean, Rowan Atkinson can be serious, but he does bring a certain... Like, especially with British audiences, he's going to know that he's playing to a certain kind of audience. Because when you look at Edgar Wright's career, Scott Pilgrim was meant for the... Sp obviously, the Scott Pilgrim fans, but... It's more American actors. There's not a lot of foreign actors. Everyone known is... you got Chris Evans, Aubrey Plaza, Brie Larson, Michael Sarah. Um, it, it, it's it's a huge terrible group. with Brie Larson. What? You Scott Pilgrim versus the you world? You just mentioned Brie Larson. Scott Pilgrim versus off. the world is fantastic. Brie Larson's not a bad actress. She's annoying. <laughs> personal things aside and recent <laughs> movies aside, like, it doesn't matter. Like, she, I think, like... I think her being put into the Marvels has, like, not just Hindered the Marvels, her career. Uh, be, being Captain Marvel has hurt her career because, let's face it, fanboy, like, there's fanboys out there, man, and they're just... What if she hurt her own career? She did. No, like, just her, herself. Doesn't matter if she was Captain Marvel or not. People just hate her to hate her. Well, I mean, they didn't really hate... I mean, she was like... When she was casted, people were excited. And then they saw the movie, and, like, she was... You got something for me, Peter Parker? Well, that wasn't <laughs> the first thing, but yeah, you get it. Anywho, back to this. Back to this movie here. Okay, so... But yeah, we get that whole scene of... Jan pretty much Nicholas telling uh, Janine that... You know, he's moving, he's leaving London, and we get that, like, he can never not be a cop. He's always a cop. He can, He's never off the job. And, you know, until he finds someone, he'll always be alone. So, or someone who helps him turn that off, he'll always be alone. Um, Why didn't so then, we ever think of the guy from the... Uh, God, this movie always eludes my mind. But it's a very successful movie. Is it? Yes. Well, there's, could you, there's you two can you movies. describe Chaining it? There's two movies. Chaining Tatum is in the second one. Okay. <laughs> oh, The Kingsman? Yeah. What about it? What? What? Who's the guy with the glasses that dies in, dies in the first <laughs> one? Dies. Colin Prince. Firth. We could put him in this. Colin Firth could be in this. Colin Firth because could honestly be 
any Simon Simon Skinner is the easiest person to recast in this movie. To be honest, because all you need is someone very charismatic. I don't see him as a Nicholas Angel though. Nicholas Angel, I don't know why Simon Pegg just nails what I think Nicholas Angel brings to the table. I could be wrong. I could be just blowing smoke, but who knows? Or Mark Strong. Mark Strong. Mark Strong would been a. Nah, I don't want him as a Skinner. I would actually think he would be a great, um, if you want to, like, because... No, no, he would actually be a good Skinner also, but... Because, uh, Taron Egerton would probably be too young around this time. Oh, yeah, He no. wasn't even acting. No, 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 no. I mean, now, now he would be a decent Nicholas Angel... I would want him to slim down, though. Or Pedro Pascal. Because right now, the way... Pe- oh, God, no. <laughs> no, Pedro Pascal, like... Oh, dude, that's Marvel news right there. Do you think... Uh, did you see the recent DC news today? No. Um, hold on, I got Villain or... <coughs> what? Villain or hero? Lex Luthor. That would be interesting to see. N- wait, no, not Pedro Pascal. Sorry. I was going to say. Pedro Pascal is the Marvel news, but the DC news so of what things. What was his news? Pedro Pascal is believed to be playing um, Mr. Fantastic in the Fantastic Four. How do you feel about that? I'm actually all for that because, for starters, we need an actor who's going to carry this movie because so far. The people that they tried to carry oh, both these Miles films, Teller. Miles Teller, and then yeah. pretty much they tried the Ian, uh, I forget, Garfield or something? I forget. The, I forget. the first originals? Yeah, the original Mr. Finn. Even though I, mean, I think it was more of a Jessica Alba, Chris Evans driven vehicle yeah, because they were the hot new stars of that time. He, and I always got him confused with the dude off of Jurassic Park. How? I, I Sam Neill? Sam Neill, though? Yeah. Dude, we got to do Jurassic Park soon because, like, that movie is phenomenal. Like, there's never been a movie that was able to capture, like, like, they found dinosaurs. I don't know where they found dinosaurs, but they fucking found dinosaurs and put them on a movie, in that movie. The rest are just kind of like, eh, but there's something about that movie particular that's just fucking amazing. Anywho, let's get back to this. Um, So You didn't tell me the DC news. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, Lex Luthor. Um, oh, God, I'm forgetting the actor's name. He was in Mad Max Fury Road, uh, Warm Bodies. Nicholas Holt. He's, he, he was originally... It was, was he funny in that Dracula movie? Yes, he was the, in the new... Uh, what's yeah. it? Rumfield. Rumfield. Yeah. yeah, he's Rumfield. Um, that movie's like... How do you it's think a, he's going to do as a Lex Luthor? I actually... Because he's like one of those actors where I feel like he just... He's a good actor because we see that he has range from, especially, like, I think Warm Bodies is a really smart zombie comedy. Would I rank it up to Shaun of the Dead? No, not at all. Not even close. But, um, but it's still decent. It's still watchable, and I still enjoy it. Um, there's another movie in that kind of vein called, directed by Robin Williams' uh, daughter coming out soon called Lisa Frankenstein. I saw a trailer of that just recently. Looks pretty good. Like, it's definitely, like, in the vein of uh, that movie, though. So you got to keep that in mind when you go and see it. But, um, yeah, I, I, think it's a, I think it's actually pretty good considering that 
he was one of the people that was supposedly up for the role of Superman for this Superman. So oh my god, I for them, see that. Well, here's the thing. Killian Murphy was up for Bruce Wayne. When, and we've seen now, after the success of Oppenheimer, uh, Christopher Nolan released the test, the, the, not test foot. No, yeah, the, not test. What's the, it, audition. The audition test footage. And Killian Murphy was going to be a whole different kind of Bruce Wayne. But it was the point that Christopher Nolan saw him and said, I think you're better for this part. So that makes me wonder, now I'm not saying I trust in James Gunn here. You know, I still stand by There's Zack a lot Snyder. Of stuff that yeah, I still stand by Zack Snyder and the things I say about Zack Snyder versus Gunn because Gunn has been—he's got one, like a one-hit wonder with John Cena. He's got Peacemaker under his belt. He has the—he has the two. Sui- Sui- he has two of the three Guardian films because the Volume Two sucks. I don't care who you are. Volume Two of the Guardians movies sucks. Um, you didn't like him killing his dad. Well, no, it's not that. <laughs> it literally felt like I was watching a uh, Fast and Furious movie. Yeah. Because it was all like, everything was like, familia, family. Like, I just felt like, I, and it's funny because Vin Diesel's Groot. I need to stop clicking this pen. I can hear it in the microphone. I'm going to do it under the table. So that's not as distracting. You're about to have to get another drink there. So, eh, it's okay. Um, but yeah, um. Oh now that we've went on another 10 minute We went on a 10 minute tangent. We keep going on tangents tonight, man. It's because we haven't got to really talk about movie stuff in a- today. We get the montage. Uh, after the montage of him moving there, he meets Joyce Cooper, played by Billy Whitelaw. And we get the whole, their little exchange, which is done through the words of uh, the crossword puzzle. Check in. Check in. But you've always been here. Excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were my husband. You must be Sergeant Angel. Yes, I am. I'm Joyce Cooper. I trust you had a pleasant trip. Fascist. I beg your pardon? System of government characterized by extreme dictatorship. Several across. Oh, I see. It's uh, fascism. Fascism. Wonderful. Now, we've put you in the castle suite. Bernard will escort you up there. Well, uh, actually, I could probably make my own way up. Hag. I beg your pardon? Evil old woman considered frightful or ugly. It's 12 down. Oh, bless you. But I just love that they have that, and then the the conversation comes back later on in the, the last act during the whole little shootout scene. Um, then he goes... Um, after that scene, he decides, after he's in his cottage for, like, five seconds, he just looks out the window, he decides to go walking around, and that's where he goes to the pub, where he meets, um, which it was actually filmed in, I found out, in Britain's oldest standing freehouse. Also, the setting of um, Sanford is in uh, Wales, which, I, as I mentioned, was Edgar Wright's hometown. Um but yeah, so he's in the bar and he starts, <laughs> well, pretty much we meet the owners of the bar who are uh, Roy and Mary Porter, and we met, I mentioned that her age gets mistaken for, hey, my age is 55 when it's really 53, 53, but uh, the whole, I love when he's cracking down and he's going around asking for everyone's birthday, and when the first drinker goes, excuse me, well, when's your birthday? 
22nd of February. What year? Every year. Get out. Hey. When's your birthday? Uh, 8th of May, 1969. You're 37. Yeah. Get out. When's your birthday? Uh -huh. Out. And then the last kid, he has like a mouth full of braces, which I love the whole like, when he laughs, it like blinds him with the glare of the braces. And he goes, what's your birthday? And the kid just goes, oh, like really high pitch, which I guess um, Simon Pegg, recommended them do in post was like really bring the pitch of that the guys because most of the extras are actually like friends of Edgar Wright's too so and also people who live in that like small town there um but I just love that cracked out and when he's all done they're like another cranberry juice he goes oh no thank you I'm quite done <laughs> and then he's outside we meet we meet Danny but we don't know it's Danny but he's trying to get in his car and he, like, backs into a, almost backs into Nicholas. He, like, says, all right, I'm taking you down to the station. Where is it? And then he goes around, starts arresting everyone. And then uh, th that's the part where, like, uh, we get the very dramatic pin action that I mentioned. Like, the, the like, non-dramatized police work in movies. And so we get it very dramatized there. And he gets the double pin click. And he's like, don't worry, I've got plenty of ink. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, but what's great is this movie is, okay, so in every one of Edgar Wright's movies, he loves to leave these clues or callbacks that will happen later on in the movie. So in the very first scene after he arrests everyone, it's his very first day in Sanford, he decides to go on a jog. And so he's kind of seeing everyone around town and they're all saying, morning angel. And he's kind of confused, like why everyone all of a sudden knows him, which we haven't met how they would know him yet, but we will very shortly. <laughs> uh, so he's on his morning jog. And what I love here is we meet Simon Skinner, played by Timothy Dalton. They do not for a second try to hide that this man is a killer. The very first line out of his mouth is... Lock me up. I'm sorry? I'm a slasher and I must be stopped. You're a what? A slasher. A crisis. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm Simon Skinner on the local supermarché. Drop in and see me sometime. My discount's a criminal... Catch me later! Morning, Sergeant. Everything he says from that very instance, he, it pretty much is initializes killer. And, like, I guess behind the scenes, like, someone said that he looks like a cartoon fox. And he really kind of does. does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Swiper. So then after. <laughs> <laughs> So after that, after that awkward meeting of Skinner, the next note I have is uh, Nicholas's first day of um, in the station where he meets everyone. And the first person he meets, obviously, is Sergeant Turner, which when we first meet Turner, he's a happy guy. But then we meet him, this other Turner, who catchphrase throughout the movie when he has his hair trussled is, nobody tells me nothing. Um, 
But so we have one grumpy and one happy, which I fuck it. I mean, if you you've gotten this far, we do spoilers. It turns out they're twins, but yeah. we don't know that throughout the entire movie, which it plays off towards the end because we get the last. Nobody tells me nothing. Um, but throughout that, we also meet the overly friendly inspector Frank Boderman. Uh, we meet the Andes, the two wisecracking detectives, and I just love their introduction <laughs> because. Um, they're, they, they asked Nicholas Angel, like, what do you, what, you probably suppose why we called it the Andes, and he's like, Now, how about a trip to the Andes? Detective Sergeant Wainwright and Detective Constable Cartwright. Don't get up. I expect you're wondering why we call them the Andes. They're both called Andrew. They said you were good. Also, because talking to them is an uphill struggle, isn't it, Dad? And as he's finishing, there is a waste packet just rocking towards his head and then slams him right as he looks over. <laughs> and he just yells, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and what I love it is that the Andes were probably just sitting there listening and watching this whole thing down. And as the <laughs> right as Andy was starting to, or uh, Danny was starting to talk, Andy, one of the Andes, and I'm assuming it's Patty Constance, Andy, just decides to fuck this and just throws it <laughs> as hard as he can at him. Um, but yeah, honestly, besides Danny and besides Nicholas, obviously, I think the Andes are easily my favorite characters. Um, then uh, the other people we meet are Sergeant Tony Fisher, who, thanks to his hilarious intro, shouldn't be a police officer at all, which... Um, in the 70% facts, I don't know if we mentioned it. I guess I could go look back. Uh, no, no, we mentioned it. All the things that said on the whiteboard about him and pretty much being the most incompetent police officer ever. Um, the next person we meet is uh, PC Bob Walker. He's the old timer. He's the one who... Sounds like a Boomhauer, but if he was English... Uh, Saxon, the police dog, who turns out was way too friendly in real life, and PC Doris Thatcher, the only female officer, and possibly an HR nightmare. She has a worse mouth than the men there. Um, but she is hilarious. I do love Olivia Coleman. Um, and then we start meeting, <laughs> funny enough, the NWA, aka the Neighborhood Watch Alliance, who the first person we meet is Tom Weaver, who he watches TVs like the little monkey from Toy Story 3. Yeah, but... I noticed that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> until, he got sp until he got spray painted and he freaked out. Until we... Dude, I am so excited for the new Planet of the Apes movie. I love those movies so much. I have them all on digital. I have them all on Blu-ray. I want to get them all on 4K. That's my next venture. But I might... I'm thinking about trying to collect them on um, Laserdisc, but that's here or there. Nothing beats the one with James Franco. <sighs> That's actually, like, out of the newer ones, I like the one with Woody Harrelson a lot. It's because, good. I just like the... But the one, Dawn, I think Dawn was great. Um, Wasn't the one with Woody Harrelson, like, didn't it have some, like, flashbacks to when Caesar was with his handler? He finds... Or maybe that's the second one. Anyway, we're not on Planet of the Age. We gotta get out of this. <laughs> Anywho. Um, so... It has you thinking, though. <laughs> Um, so, after he has, like, a day with, like, he has his first full day, which it, it's, it's really great because 
they decide to go to the pub to all kind of get to know each other. And so he has this great back and forth with the Andes. <laughs> but you can't wait to jump into Sergeant Puffwell's grave. I'm not jumping into anyone's grave. Got a mustache. I know. Why have you got your stab vest on? It's a requirement. In the city, maybe. Nobody's going to stab you in here, Sergeant. Not a member of the public, are you? <laughs> have you been stabbed, Sergeant Fisher? No. Well, I have. And I can assure you it is not the least bit amusing. You've seen a lot of action, Sergeant Angel? I've experienced my fair share, yes. Did you cook any fools? Excuse me? Did you shoot anybody? He shot a crackhead with a Kalashnikov. Whoa. Where'd you get that? The offender had the Kalashnikov. Whoa. Where did he get that? You do know there are more guns in the country than there are in the sea. Everybody and their mums is packing around there. Like who? Farmers. Who else? Farmers' mums. I love that Sergeant Fisher, like, he's so incompetent and he's so insecure that Nicholas Angel's there. He's trying to, like, belittle him. And then, like, Nick's talking about, like, have you ever been stabbed? And Danny's overly impressed. And then, then Andy's are just not about it. And, like, he calls and he's like, I'm sorry, I wasn't realizing I was talking to a bunch of apple carters. What made you choose Sanford then, Sergeant Angel? It wasn't actually my choice. Oh, right, right. Was it your choice to come down here and tell me how to do my job, our jobs? You see, boys, you know better, have <laughs> Look, I can assure you, it wasn't my intention to upset the apple cart. Yeah, because we all sell apples round here, don't we? Your dad sells apples, Andy. And raspberries. <laughs> I didn't know that this dude was in unfinished business. Who? Um, Nick Frost. Unfinished business. It's going with uh, James Franco's little brother and Vince Vaughn. I've actually never seen that movie. He's, I know he's because I, I know what that movie is, but I remember it came out. It's very underwhelming. That was that came out like the fifth time I quit the theater or something like that. Uh, <laughs> he should have been in Moneyball. Who? Nick Frost. Oh, he would have been great in Moneyball. But um, I love it though because they're talking about like guns like in the country that uh there's more there are more guns in the country than there are in the city and he's like everyone in the mums are pecking around here and he goes like who farmers who else farmers mums <laughs> but what's great about Edgar Wright's movies they they all have this look that quick dialogue and you could put Shaun of the Dead in this same universe and then you could even the world's end you could put in this universe Scott Pilgrim can weirdly fit in this universe, even though there's a whole different kind of reality built into that world. Um, Last Night in Soho, not as much. That one feels almost there, like... There's another one they did. That one's more serious, but he still has that, like... Oh, ba- you know what I haven't mentioned once this entire podcast? Baby Driver. I haven't mentioned Baby Driver once. Baby Driver's excellent. That is him doing an American movie, though. That is our best look at an American movie. They did of do Edgar a movie with uh, Seth Rogen. Yeah, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, he was the alien. Which, I have a theory that, like, because these first two movies were excellent. And The World's End's not bad, but it's not the greatest. So, I got to thinking, like, what kind of might have happened 
And I came to the conclusion that I feel like Simon Pegg might have gotten too famous. Because he was on uh, Star Trek. He he got on Star Trek as Scotty, but he was he started, like, I remember he did that Mission run, Impossible. Fat Boy run. He was in Mission Impossible, Benji, and he's still in those... Excuse me. He's still in those movies. Harper. No, I had, to, <laughs> I, I had to burp and I didn't want to be loud. Just let it out, man. It's natural. <laughs> But crowd will understand. <laughs> but um, I love that when Nick and Danny start uh, working together, that like Danny just starts asking him questions left and right. Like, you ever fired the two guns once jumping through the air? No. You ever fired one gun once jumping through the air? No. Ever been in high speed pursuit? Yes, I have. You ever fired a gun once in high speed pursuit? No. <laughs> And then he gets really curious of, like, the, a lot of the questions he asks about things he's done on the force, like, have you ever been in a high-speed chase, high-speed chase shooting a gun, uh, shot, shooting, jump through the air while shooting one gun, shoot, jumping through the air, shooting two guns, that all happens in the final shootout, um... It all, it's like a mo, uh, what was it's just, it? It's, it's a circle. It's a circle. <laughs> what, I was trying to think of, uh, what, it, what's the, um, Loki, o, o, OB, Obius? Mo, Morbius, or Mobius. No, Mobius is Owen Wilson. OB is Obius. No, no, it's not Obius, it's OB, um, oh my god, why can't I think it, because I'm getting confused because of Mobius is right there. OB... It, I know it's for a snake that is it, it, a snake eating its own tail. It is called, oh my god, you figure that out, I'll be here. But anyway, yeah, all that happens. But I love there's a point where, like, Nicholas Angel's talking to, like, a whole thing of kids. I don't know how to pronounce that name. Can, let me see it. It's at the very bottom. Ouroboros. Yeah. It's Ouroboros. I knew I was fucking it up. Okay, Ouroboros. Because he, he, OB for short. Um, cause I see because Mobius, is, it has that OB in it. That's why it was confusing me. Anywho, so. I love it, though. He's talking to a room full of, like, kids. And he's like, any questions? And then we, like, pan over real quick. And Danny has his arm up. And, he goes, <laughs> and the question he chooses to ask in a room full of kids is it true there's a point on a man's head where if you shoot it, it will blow up? <laughs> um, and then after that, we get the the call of the swans escaped. And <laughs> we meet uh, Peter Ian Staker, a.k.a. P.I. Staker, a.k.a. Sergeant Angel. Morning, the swans escaped. The swans escaped? Yeah. Right, and where's the swan escape from exactly? Uh, the castle. Oh, yeah, and who might you be? Mr. Staker. Yeah, Mr. Peter Ian Staker. P.I. Staker. Yeah. Right. Piss Taker. Come on! Yes, Mr. Staker. Um, we'll do everything we can. Can you describe it to me? Piss Staker? <laughs> Mr. Staker is played by a young Stephen Merchant, who I guess people would know him from uh, Hall Pass. Is yeah. the one big movie he probably is most known for. I know him from the show uh, Hello Ladies. I think it was, is it called Hello Lady? Or Hello Ladies? Thanks. So. Yeah, I think that's what it was called on HBO. I watched that. I watched that for a little bit, and then um, 
What was uh, he? He had that credible episode on uh, Modern Family. Holy crap! What That's happened? all he has left. Is the kicker? Oh man, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Um, oh god. But yeah, so we get that, and we find out we get the swan thing, which is great because one of the swan. <laughs> I wish. One of the great things, though, as they're trying to chase the swan, Danny decides to start, <laughs> starts trying to do it. But I guess there was like going to be this little thing that they were going to film, and they chose not to film it. But there was going to be a point where like. Um, Nicholas was going to start chiming in with the honks. And they were both going to just start standing there, both honking back and forth at each other, which they never filmed, which kind of sucks. But that would have been really fun if they did. Um, See, this is the fun part of how commentary. I'm so glad I found out I can do that on Spotify now, too. Um, So so we go to Simon Skinner's store. And the scene here is based off of the film. It's They studied the film Get Carter for this kind of interrogation scene where he's trying to get a feel of him. And so during that scene, though... Oh, I forgot to mention. What? Oh, that was your fridge. Oh, that kicked on. Okay, I heard your phone hit, and I thought someone was knocking. I was like, oh, God, we're being too loud. Because um, it's getting late, so we got to be... We gotta be semi careful here. I've only soundproofed this so much here. I don't even know if this will work that well here. Well, um, this side we don't have to worry about. No, that one side. And I got the pillows, and like I, I'm sure this will work out fine in the end. But anyway, yeah. So they're at this before we get to the store. We get this like moment where they're out in the car talking and. He's, like, pointing out the people that we're all going to meet, like Mr. Treacher with his coat. What do you think from the shop? You've just been to the shop. Thinking of a different shop. Constable Butterman, this is not the time for personal errands. Well, there's nothing going on, is there? There is always something going on. You have to look closer, all right? What about this guy? Mr. Treacher? Yeah, why has he got that big coat on? Can't be cold. Why the extra layer? Maybe he's trying to hide something. Mr. Treacher. Okay, what about this guy? Ask yourself, why has he got his hat pulled down like that? He's fuck ugly. Or he doesn't want you to see his face. Because he's fuck ugly. Okay, what's his story? Oh, it's Lurch. Go on. Uh, It's a trolley boy at the local supermarket. Good. Real name Michael Armstrong. Uh Uh-huh. Dan says he's got a child's mind. Okay. Lives up Summer Street with his mum and his sister. And are they as big as his? Ooh. The mum and the sister. Same person. So Michael Armstrong is a product of uh, inbreeding. Um, Same person. Um, And then so every we we meet a lot of big players here, and then we get to the store of Mister Staker's store. And in that scene, Danny is off looking at the movies, which we talked about that in the fun facts. But this is where. this is the get Carter scene where they're having the kind of back and forth kind of cat and mouse almost game of like they're expecting each other sort of thing. And Nick catches the fuck ugly guy uh, stealing shit like a, a massive amount of shit like unnecessarily amount of shit but you know it's whatever. He does this great skid end to the shot which they did which Simon Pegg actually does they use KY jelly on the floor and so the chase begins, which we get our call back 
to uh, Shaun of the Dead here, where he, uh, they decide to hop the fences to try to catch up with him. And he goes, what, you've never gone for a little jog before or something? Or... And so what's great about the scene, though, is Simon Pegg obviously gets switched out for a stuntman for the flip. He does, like, he jumps over the fence twice, and then um, when Danny runs, he crashes through the first fence. <laughs> and after that scene happens, Edgar Wright was like, please make sure to look back at the camera. And he goes, why would I have to look back? And he's like, well, if you don't, they're not going to believe it's you doing it. So take your applause kind of thing. And I just like that. I like that it's a callback to uh, Shaun of the Dead because, I mean, again, the success of the Shaun of the Dead paved the way for this movie. Um, so they catch him. And so the next thing I have, because obviously when I watch a movie and I'm really into it, my notes get a little scattered. So I know we're about 45 minutes in, but we've gone really off the rails a few times. This might be our longest episode. Uh, <laughs> so we get... The next thing I have is, like, the whole Romeo and Juliet get slain scene, which we these people are played. We got Martin Blower, who's playing uh, Romeo, and he's played by David uh, Theerfall. And then we have Eve Draper, played by Lucy Punch in this scene. She's the Juliet. And they get slain, but um, it's just a really fun scene because... Well, not fun scene, but it's an intense scene because it really starts, like playing up our expectations of like yeah you're about to see some real killer shit here like because they as like it's a hard r movie for sure um and i'm surprised that they didn't have to cut more out to be honest because it gets graphic but i think what helps them is the quick cuts there's a lot of quick cuts um so the next thing i have noted is the next morning the traffic collision crime scene um, where we see their heads laying in the uh, on the ground. We get Sergeant Fisher just trying to tell people what he thinks should be done, and then Nicholas Angel, he goes... Or... Nicholas Angel. No, no, yeah, that's his it name. Is okay, I thought I said Chris Angel again. Uh, <laughs> but Nicholas Angel, he goes up to him, and Nick tells pretty much everyone what to do, and he goes, what he says. Because um, that's pretty much what he does until the very end of the movie, where he finally like grows up. You know, grows a conscience and knows how to do his job. Um, but then again, we get another moment of Simon Skinner being obvious as hell. He's playing the song, uh, Car Accident, Nasty Way to Go. Constable official vocab guidelines state we no longer refer to these incidents as accidents than as collisions. Right. There never was a story of more this of Juliet and her Romeo. Excuse me? Martin, do you? Such a tragedy. Mr. Skinner, do you mind telling me how you know the identity of the persons involved? You know how it is. News travels fast. I love struck Romeo. Seeing the streets of What happened, Danny? Traffic collision. Hmm. Why can't we say accident again? Because accident implies there's nobody to blame. And it's like, you're playing a song about Romeo and Juliet finding each other. And then, like, you're passing by a crime scene where they have taped off and you make a reference to Romeo and Juliet and the death of them. And it's like, how are you, like, not being obvious, dude? Like, and I was like, you know what, Ecker, right? Like, he was like, yeah, we're going to make it look like it's the killer. Because, honestly, when we see Michael 
we'll, we'll get into that later. I'm going ahead of myself. Um, so, the next scene I have listed, though, is definitely the scene where we get, we get, they finally get all their weapons that is going to play a big part. It's Arthur Welby, and he has a sea mine, which, just throw on a joke. But I, what's great about that scene is he hits it with his shotgun, and then the, it starts ticking, and they all run out of the thing because they all think it's going to explode. What's funny is if you watch where they all run, like, um, when we see Arthur run, like, the other two, they get away and, like, we can't see them, we never see Arthur literally just hides behind this really blue, big, mach blue machinery metal thing that's just sitting there, and he just ducks behind it, but he is right there where if that was going to explode, his character would have easily died. <laughs> now, they probably would have said it to where he was, like, five yards away or something, like five more yards away or some shit like that, but... I just thought it. what's great about the scene, though, is what happens right after it does explode. They're reporting it on the radio, and he's just, the mine's out in the background, and he's still hit it with the shotgun, and, he, and Danny goes and just decides to kick it. He's like, you what? No, apparently it's been deactivated, over. That's right. Deactivated. It's not live. It looks live. All right. And then the next thing I have is... Nicholas and Danny having a heart-to-heart -heart where we kind of get the backstory of Nicholas, where he talks about his uncle Derek, who got him the uh, pedal car in 1979. We find out that... Um, I don't remember a time when I didn't want to be a police officer, apart from the summer of 1979 when I wanted to become at the Frog. <laughs> it all started with my uncle Derek. He was a sergeant in the Met. He bought me a police pedal car when I was five. I rode round in it every second I was awake, arresting kids twice my size for littering and spitting. I got beaten up a lot when I was young, but it didn't stop me. I wanted to be like Uncle Derek. He sounds like a good bloke. Actually, he was arrested for selling drugs to students. What a cunt. Probably bought the pedal car with the proceeds. Needless to say, I never went near it again. I just let it rust. But I never forgot the clear sense of right and wrong that I felt at the wheel of that pedal car. I had to prove to myself that the law could be proper and righteous and for the good of humankind. It was from that moment I was destined to be a police officer. Shame. How so? I think you would have made a great Muppet. <laughs> um, and then I love the scene where they take George, Mr., uh, they take George Merchant home, who we meet also at the same time at the supermarket scene very quickly. Um, which that also leads to his home invasion scene where he gets killed. Um, but I, the next scene I have noted is Danny and Nicholas watching Point Break in Bad Boys 2. But there's a great thing that after they get done watching Point Break, <laughs> Danny asks Nick what he thought of it. He goes, well, I wouldn't argue that it was a no-holds-barred adrenaline fuel thrill ride, but there's no way you can per <laughs> perpetrate that amount of carnage and mayhem and not incur a considerable amount of paperwork. <laughs> um, Which is funny because those two movies were beside each other in the... The gas station. Yeah, that that's something I also know. Well, I thought that. I mean, obvious they did it for on obvious purpose, yeah. on purpose. But I was just like, man, that's so clever too, though. But that when he opens up that movie collection, there was a time in my life where my movie collection looked like that, Cody. I shit you not. And then some evil bastard sold it, and he knows who he is because he's listening. Um, 
But anyway, <laughs> that was years ago. You I don't care anymore. Are. They were DVDs. I don't care anymore. Uh, they would have sold for like 25 cents today or whatever. Anywho. 50 years from now, they might not. And, I, I like my Blu-rays. Anywho, so. <laughs> but like VHSs. When they. Eh, VHSs, it depends. Um, but yeah, that movie collection was right. A combination of right pegs and frosts. Um, if I'm remembering right, I remember hearing that fun fact a long time ago, and so I made sure to write that note down when it popped back in. Um, then the scene I have next, well, obviously Tim Messenger dies, he explodes, because <laughs> they, when they kill him, they made it look like an accident. Um, All of them are an accident. Well, that's why the, the crime rate's so low, but the accident rate is so high! Um... <laughs> Um, did we, what did, how does he say it's not un not unreal it's not unrealistic it's I can't remember what the word he uses it's not I forget what he says too now shit anywho um but like we go to the festival it's not unimpossible it's not impossible but it's not unimpossible <laughs> or something like that um so we get the festival with Tim Messenger. And Tim Messenger gets splatted in the head, but there's a great moment where, um, oh, I forgot in the moment where they first see the guns, we get a great moment where Danny says out loud, by the power of Grayskull, but then, um, Nick is really good at this shooting game at the festival, and, um, when, uh, when Danny's handed back the gun, he just goes, That was amazing! <laughs> um, I just love that he's just in love with everything. He's just so overly impressed with everything Nick does. Um, I, can't, I can't find that clip. Oh, it's okay. Judge Judy, I found. The Judge Judy thing is, he's not Judge Judy in Executioner! <laughs> <laughs> he's my dad! And I love the... I know you probably wouldn't have caught this reference, and a lot of people listening might not, but there, there is a, um, the, it doesn't matter, don't, this is Chinatown reference when he says, it's not, this is Sanford, <laughs> it's a Chinatown reference though, um, the next scene I have is obviously the death of Leslie Tiller, because it's the first time that Simon, or not Simon, it is Simon Pegg, my defense, um, but Nicholas sees the death of, he sees the killer killing for the first time. But be, after that scene, we get them and they're at the, de they're, they're at the scene of the crime and then they like cut, they do a sharp cut back to the station and then there's the whole exchange of hang about, well, first off, Tony Fisher starts off at the shop saying, hang about, hang about, you're saying this wasn't an accident and then they do the. Hang about, hang about. You're saying this wasn't an accident. Leslie Tiller was fucking murdered! Just like Tim Messenger? Yes! George Merchant? Yes! And Eve Draper? Yes! Mark Blower? No, actually. Really? Of course he fucking was! Thank you, Danny! Oh, murder, murder, murder. Change the fucking record! Thank you, Andy. The next thing I have is... So, after that scene, he, like, kind of gets convinced that he's crazy and that because he goes to the store to prove that 
that Simon Skinner's the one behind all the killing. Because, again, he's being super fucking obvious, but, like, he can't find proof. He's going through footage. He's going through hours. And he gets compared to the old constable that was there before him and who went crazy because he was a big city cop who couldn't handle the small country life. Well, um... <laughs> He gets convinced of that again, and so, like, he's just like, alright, I'm just gonna go back to my flat, you know, whatever. Or, his hotel room, it's not his flat. So, um, this is where he gets the whole fight with Michael scene, and <laughs> after he gets done fighting Michael, two things happen. First thing, well, before he we see him knock out Michael, we get the great thing of him distracting him with the monkey and going, playtime's over, then hitting him with the peace lily. Then, um, he not, after he knocks out Michael, he's on the walkie-talkie, and Simon Skinner's on there. He's asking him if he's... Right then, he calls Danny, says the same line that uh, we hear uh, Martin Lawrence say from Bad Boys 2 of shit just got real on the phone. He's telling Danny he's just figured it all out. Uh, he's going to go to the castle, uh, meet me there, stuff like that or whatever. Um, but right as he turns around, Danny's already standing there. Danny's looking around, confused as hell. Michael Armstrong's on the ground. Peace Lily's in sh shambles. The whole room's a mess. And the thing that my Danny says, and I love it, is, What happened to your Peace Lily? <laughs> I fucking lose it every time, too. And, like, I don't know why, but when, before you came over tonight, like, it just hit me a little bit harder than it usually does. Um, uh, lit... And before we get more into this, uh, let's take a quick break. So that now that Nicholas Angel has popped this thing wide open, as he is claimed, um, we get to a part where he's figured out he's going to the castle and he gets there and he, he thinks he's just going to find Simon Skinner, but no. Everyone in the town that's part of the NWA is there. Uh, the uh, Neighborhood Watch Association. Just making that clear. Because um, it's, it's weird saying it because I'm like, this isn't the NWA. This isn't NWA. This, no. <laughs> this not is not the other one? No. The one with Cube <laughs> is the real NWA. Just saying. Um, and Easy. And uh, Dre. But Cube and... was the leader. Who? Cube was the leader. I wouldn't say Cube was the leader. He's a, he's a central character. But anyway, he wrote all the songs. He wrote some dude. Uh, we won't get into. Oh, it. I, I, I'm getting into. It. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, Easy wrote. Dre wrote. They all wrote, man. Anyway, that'd be saying like Pac didn't write. Anyway, anyway, we're not getting into it. We're not getting into the R and B. We're not getting into rap. Anyway, um, okay. So, what I love though, Eric Wright. It was the. Leader. Okay, so I so, was right. So he is considered the godfather of gangster rap. I was right. <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, 
Okay, we just went off so off tangent. Okay, so we're, I'm just gonna restart that. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. okay. <laughs> Shit, I got so lost there. Okay. Okay. So, Nicholas finds the makeshift NWA with the Neighborhood Watch Association, which, you know, we. Easy E, Cube, that's the real NWA, Dre. Anyway, not the point here. We're not getting back into that. Uh, I was right. That's all that needs to be said. Anyway, um, but I love that, like, he thinks he has it all figured out. He thinks it's only Simon Skinner. No, it's everyone in the NWA there. And, but it's none of it's for the right reasons. I love that we get all the spiel of why everyone was killed, including. You see, as much as I enjoyed your wild theory, Sergeant, the truth is far less complex. Blower's fate was simply the result of his being an appalling actor. Appalling! You murdered him for that? Well, he murdered Bill Shakespeare. What? Oh, the Dramatic Society is an important feather in our cap. Couldn't let Blower jeopardize that. Not when we had two semi-professionals waiting in the wings. Let's not forget that Greg was an extra in Straw Dogs and Sherry portrayed a cadaver in Prime. Yes, I know! Martin was less concerned with the reputation of the village than he was with his sordid affair with Pete Drake. And so Eve deserved to die too. Oh, she did have a very annoying laugh. <laughs> annoying! And, and George Merchant? He had an awful house. Picked him in vain to make his residence more in keeping with the village's rustic aesthetic. Right. And, and what about Tim Messenger? What was his crime? Tim Messenger's tenure as editor of the Sanford Citizen has been unbearable. Our once great paper had become riddled with tabloid journalism, not to mention persistent errors. You listed her age as 55. Well, actually, I'm 53. 53. <laughs> but yeah, I just love that everyone's excuse for killing everyone is petty as fuck except for uh lilies which is just because if we can't have her no, no one can, can. <laughs> um but that twist of the chief the overly nice chief being the leader it was like okay yeah that's always gonna happen but when danny was there that genuinely shocked me i remember that when i first watched the movie for the yeah. You were like, oh no. I was like, not Danny. But anyway, and then. It's Sanford. Okay, so <laughs> as I've mentioned a lot of times, when, I, when I'm when i really into the movie, notes get very static. So we get Danny stabbing him in the chest, but we don't know that it's his notebook he stabs. And we get the. We get. I forgot to mention the first catch-up gag when he stabs himself. We think he stabs himself in the eye with the the in the with a fork, and it's just ketchup packet. That begins the whole like them having their first fun night together. And I always loved like any time he's like, I don't know, pub. <laughs> I've been. I'm going to apologize to all of our English listeners out there. I don't mean to do the impressions. They just kind of come out of me sometimes. Um... If they are good, please Bloody let me know hell. that. Well, then, that was just awful. I'll just say that. <laughs> but anyway, um, so the entire ending after the whole, like, him faking out his death and we get death, death, dathomir, Ahsoka reference there. Um, <laughs> but uh, they fake his whole death scene. Uh, well, Danny fakes Nicholas's death, and he's going out, and he thinks he's going to go and, like, leave back to London, but no, he's like, no, i got to handle this myself, and he's like, no, nah, I'm just going to handle, I'm just going to do everything. Everything from that point on 
is amazing in this movie. I love this entire ending. First off, I love that he... I love he gets all that stuff at the supermarket, like the spray paint and the sunglasses and whatnot. He gets two pairs because he knows Danny's going to join him. Um, I love that the first person he meets is a farmer and a farmer's mom who are always packing. I love that when he goes... I love, okay, everything from the first showdown in the town square where he... He's literally riding in on a white horse. He's riding in on a lone white horse. This is the best thing ever. And then every single callback in that scene of everyone. We get the puzzle combat comeback. Uh, we get the uh, him being agnostic. That wasn't something I mentioned or, or earlier, but him and the priest. Uh, the doctor being shot in the foot by Danny just at the carnival when he gets shot in the foot with the air pistol during after that. That was amazing. Uh, <laughs> I, I just love how he says it. I can't help it. Um, but um, I love that whole thing. And then we get the pub thing. It's a call. It's a callback to him just every time. I don't know pub, but I love when Danny. They do love their pubs. They do love their pubs, but I always saw that as more of a Shaun of the Dead reference more than I saw it as a callback to the earlier stuff in the movie. But I do love the lady on her bike shooting. I love the priest having the guns like in his sleeve that come out. I thought that was cool. Of course, the guy, the Mister Treacher, and his uh, shotgun thing. And I love when um, the doctor comes out with the shotgun before he gets shot in the foot by Danny. He goes, hey, I brought you into this world, Danny. It's only fitting that I take you out of it. Uh, <laughs> then, what I love about the pub shootout, though, even though <laughs> he gets the bear trap on his head. Yes. It's where we really can Why tell. Why would that be a real bear trap? What? Why would you have a real bear trap? Because dogs can't look up. It has nothing to do with that. I just didn't know how to answer that. <laughs> I mean, on the off chance it does fall and it falls on someone's head, dead. Well, the funny thing is, again, nobody nobody is seen to die from their injuries from at the end of this movie. Well, like, I know that would hurt and probably kill you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but. I don't know. Let's try it. <laughs> no, no, I'm good. <laughs> but it's the first indication that, like. The poli- the team wasn't aware of what was happening. It was it was strictly only the N- the NWA um, for the greater good. The greater good. Uh, which that was something I forgot to mention. That's where we get our greater good. The greater good. And sadly, now that I've said it twice, we have to add it twice because that is the rule of this podcast. If we say it's for the greater good, the greater good then we damn well have to put it in. I, I'm going to try my best not to say it now, because I've, I've caught myself saying it a lot in other podcasts before. Um, for the greater good. The greater good. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but um, after that pub's thing, he really gets the team behind him, and that's where we get the supermarket shut out. Now, that's where we get some great lines, and a lot of them from the Andes. The first one I'm going to mention is... When the pan, the the jar of pasta sauce explodes in the in the one Andy's face, and he starts yelling and freaking out, he's he just yells, "It's all right, Andy. It's just Bolognese." And then um, I love the um, 
when Nicholas joins everyone and you got the butchers throwing the knives, he goes, <laughs> what's the situation? Two blokes and a fuckload of cutlery. And but my the greatest thing is obviously after Nick gets done fighting Michael again, him and Danny's exchange of... Has looked. Uh, he's in the freezer. Did you say cool off? No, I didn't say anything, actually. Shame. It was a bit earlier on that you missed when uh, I distracted him with the cuddly monkey, and then I, I said, playtime's over, and I hit him with the piece lily. You're off the fucking chain! And the fact hey, that the, the cocking of the shotgun with the, as he ends it just... Chef's kiss. I don't know why I snap with it. He still has the tag kiss. on his sunglasses. That's it's just there, and it's just those little details. I forgot to mention uh, in the fun facts that when we first are in the um, in the supermarket, Edgar Wright has a small cameo in there as a stalker because he, when he was younger, he was at, I forget what they call it. It's they don't call them stock boys there. Um, but uh, he wore his unif uniform the entire day of shooting, and he said he felt very comfortable in it, almost like home again. <laughs> it's just like us going, <laughs> why are you looking at me like that? Oh, I thought, I, I'm hearing noises in my headphones, I'm like... That's just like us at the cinema. What do I... Oh, it's the fan, my bad. I was like going crazy for a second there, like, what am I hearing? Um, us with the burgundies. The burgundy, oh yeah, I dude, I actually no, I still have one of my burgundies. I don't have mine. I, out of it's just out of pure nostalgia, I gave away one, my my UEC polos though easily. I still have those. Yeah, f that place. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what do British people call stock boys? The, yeah, you look that up. See what British people call stock boys, real quick. But yeah, I just. But he said that he thought it was kind of a little montage to Tarantino because Tarantino is known for wearing a uniform or costume in whatever scene is being filmed that day, like in the Crazy Eighty Eight scene, for instance. Um, and obviously, the final shootout in the giant model town where we meet Aaron A. Arison, which is one of the things uh, the uh, Andes joke about earlier. So, again, another genius callback by them. Um, and you know what? There are so many more quotes I haven't even mentioned that we could have mentioned, but, dude, we've been recording for pretty much almost an hour now just talking about scenes from this movie in quotes. But, like, I think that's... I think if you can make a movie that is both witty, good to watch, but then also, like, worth remembering, like, dialogue, like, I would, obviously, uh, over at the cinema, I, I helped create the uh, movie quote wall, I'm putting some of these quotes on there. Now, some of them, like, uh, sadly, I, I, because that is a business, I can't put anything, like, um, <laughs> you know, to... Uh, <laughs> They call him a stock clerk. That that wasn't what he he called it something shelf else. Shelf boy. He didn't call it a shelf boy. He called it something. Uh, shelf stacker. I forget what Customer he called. Customer assistant. It. No, I forget what it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But anyway, my point is, I can't put two blokes in a fuckload. You know what? I can because I do see that they censor them out. So I can't put. <laughs> I did you catch it? I almost said it there, like instinctively, like the greater good. The greater good. Um, yeah, fuck. <laughs> Anywho, but yeah, this Edgar Wright. I'm gonna go off the cuff here now. Oh, the 
Going the computer off. is shut. <laughs> I love that. I, dun, I dun, never. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's going to be a soundtrack. <laughs> I wish that we had synthesizer made up music for this stuff. Edgar Wright, though, he makes just great looking movies and he has great dialogue. And I think that is, if you are a director and you can do that, you are, you're someone special in cinema if you can do that. Sure. Um, I'm surprised. I don't think any of his movies are in the Criterion Collection yet. I think, if anything, <laughs> Shaun of the Dead would probably be the first inductee of that. Um, why'd you just look over there like that? That was so weirdly... Sus- what? Why'd you do that? That was so weird. Now I'm going to be paranoid for like the <laughs> final part of this whole thing. Shit. That thing moved. What thing? Oh, my pu- Stay Puff hat? Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's a vent on the floor right there. That makes it far less scary. Uh, <laughs> anywho. No, I'm just going to start doing that in the future. God, you know it's going to freak me out. Anywho, <laughs> at the cinema? Uh, oh, God, at the cinema it's even worse. Um, I'm just going to stop in front of a dark, empty theater. Dude, no, that theater force haunted there, I swear. Yeah, someone died. Yeah, we know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they don't um, know. That is true, that is true. But now they know. Um, but yeah, like... Heart attack. This is okay. So last thing, last thing we're gonna do, and we're gonna wrap things up. I was about to go into this long spiel, but I'm gonna find myself repeating myself. But this is just a really done, really well done movie, and it fits in action, it fits in comedy, it fits in murder mystery even, and it's just a great movie. So it's better than Sherlock Holmes. I. What Sherlock like the, the Downey one, one? No, not the Downey one. It's uh they don't name it Sherlock Holmes. It's Winston, and it's uh Will Ferrell and uh oh Holmes and Watson. Yeah, that that we don't count that. Everything's better than Holmes and Watson. Let's be real. Um, so I did create a list here. I decided to do the top ten buddy cop movies. It's on my letterbox D. I'm going to make it. Is it a com? Is it have to be comedy or does it? I'm going to actually make it... Well, I, I I did only comedies. Okay. You can do... But they have to have at least one cop. But it, it, the plot has to be central to those two characters. So, End of Watch. End of Watch could be... I it's guess kind of a comedy too, in a sense. Yeah, I guess it's a buddy comedy. <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of it's uh, dark, morbid at the end. Yeah. So, I'm going to make this... If people are going to... The people who do follow me on Letterboxd, which if you want to, Bri underscore movie underscore guy. Um, and if you want to follow us on uh, the socials, we're in a world film podcast uh, on uh, Instagram. And we can be found on literally any platform you want to Soon listen to, to us on. Soon to be YouTube. Really? Yeah. Have you figured it out? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I was hopeful for a second because I was like, man, I, I don't know what to we do. We just need a desk. We So <laughs> I have created a top ten list here. Of buddy cop comedies. Now you've just threw out end of watch there. That wouldn't would be one. Now I don't like these that these are numbered, but I did rank them. Whatever is this a solid ranking? I don't know. So I'm gonna start with number ten though. I have the nice guys, <laughs> um, which I don't know. Depends on how you view it. I think it's really funny. Maybe you don't seem as impressed with that. I didn't really like it, but it was funny. Yeah, it's, uh, it was from 2016, directed by Shane Black. The next one I have, not really cops, but they're kind of galactic cops. I put Men in Black. 
I love that movie. I love the first one especially. It's one of my all-time Don't favorites. I like the Chris Hemsworth one. Oh, well, th I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about the OG, of course. The second one was like, eh. I actually, I'm one of those weirdos. I like the who third like the, one. I like the third one, too. I'm what, in the, But there are so many people who are against it. But it, I was like, it had its Josh own. Brolin was a yes. good K. And he fit, he, like, I believed him as a young Tommy Lee Jones. It the, worked. The scene where he sees um, the young Jay. Oh, that dude! Was so sad. In 1960, with yeah. Michael, a uh, young Michael Coulter. Yeah, yeah. Before Luke Cage, that, he's like, you got to look into this. You got to, and he's like, and that's why he just, and it makes, oh, it just makes <laughs> so much more sense why he would like keep an eye on him and want to like recruit him. Besides the whole like, I don't know, like he took special interest because anyone else neuralized, but he chose to, he chose Jay for a reason. Anyway, uh, next one I have is the Heat. Paul Feig, 2013, Sandra Bullock, uh, Melissa McCarthy. Uh, it's a solid fucking comedy. And the fact that, like, my favorite gag about the movie is that it's the Will Ferrell gag from the other guys, but Melissa McCarthy is just everybody's attracted to her, especially in that, like, dance scene. And we have the one, I forget the comedian's and name. Her husband's in almost every one of her films. Yes, he's in all of his her films, and he kind of shouldn't be, but, you know, I love their marriage anyway, because they it seems very genuine, and I love it. So, um, anywho, uh, next on my list is, you're not going to like it, but I put the Police Academy, because I do uh. like... I do like the first. I'm gonna. I need to rewatch the third one. I think the fourth one was when I started losing steam on them. But the, I like the they, first two at least. Way too yes, the second one's called the first assignment. They, Wh whichever one citizens on patrol is when I stopped. Kind of. They flew too close to the sun. Yes. Well, Mission to Moscow's god awful. I'm telling you. Uh, be glad you haven't seen it. Anywho, the next one on my list is Bad Boys Two, of course, as mentioned in this. But I bet you I know one of the ones on your list, Super Troopers. I didn't put that as buddy cop because it's about a group of cops and not two cops. No, all right. I'm very weird with list. What do you think <laughs> about the second one? I wasn't. It's not bad, but it's it's kind of let's remix the hits kind of feel to it. Let's um, just go to Canada. Yeah, it's 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 Super Troopers in Canada. Like it's not it is what it is. It's enjoyable still. I don't mind it. I love those guys. It's mind numbing. Yeah, it it it's it's why you go to the movies to have a little get, bit of escape. Away. Yeah, the next one I have is a true classic. It was one of the ones I remember watching as a kid. It's one of my favorites. I actually have to add it to a list real quick, folks, that I've been watching, that I've been working on. It's in my childhood movies list. Nope. Boom. There it is. Um, Brett Ratner came out in 1998. Starts Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan. True classic. That starts my top five, by, by the way. My number four, There's a rumor another that, movie. There's a rumor that Rush Hour is going to make another one. I kind of hope so. I really like them together. Um... But I don't know. But How again, they work? don't have. To, they're not. They don't have to be. They just have to be good action comedies. They don't have to be serious. They, I think they should. Come. Even though the plots are always pretty serious, I but think like, they should, uh, I think there should be a thing where they're retired because mm -hmm. obviously they're aged. I would love Edgar Wright directing one, to be honest. Yeah. And then or Matthew Vaughn. Something that needs to prompt them to come out Excuse of retirement. Me. Oh yeah. Of course. Well, the these could be them as like, like higher ups, and like 
I don't know. We won't get into that. <laughs> we'll do that. We'll wave. We'll leave that for the rush hour pod. Uh, next one, number four, is a movie that was featured in Hot Fuzz. Police Story Three: Super Cop, the cop who can't be stopped, starring um, Jackie Chan, along with Oscar-winning actress Michelle Yeoh. Directed by Stanley Tang. Um, I really love this movie. It is funny. I always love a movie where, like, you get, like, the uptight, straight-knit person mixed with, like, the kind of looser-knit person, which is pretty much goes into (laughs) our next few ones. Number three on my list, 21 Jump Street. Uh, Phil Lord, Chris Miller. It is one of the most hilarious movies. It is... I, every time I have moved into a new place, it is a movie I've always watched the very first night because it always calms me down and makes me kind of forget about the move because it's it's just a fun movie and, like, it never gets old for me. I don't know why. I think it just came out in the right time. It was two years after I graduated high school and just, I don't know, it was a good time. Um, the next movie, number two... Lethal Weapon 2. Now, Lethal Weapon movies, a lot of people wouldn't put in the comedy category, but, like, there are genuinely funny movie, uh, funny move, funny moments in those movies, and I think Lethal Weapon 2 is the best one. Of course, directed by Richard Donner, came out in 1989. This movie is why Mel Gibson didn't play Batman, if you guys remember from that podcast. Didn't we do a podcast where we switched Mel Gibson and, um, Bruce Willis? (laughs) 1989, as if you remember, folks, from that podcast, this is why Mel Gibson was didn't play Batman. Uh, <laughs> yes, that, that's, what I that's what I literally just said, and then you asked the question. That's why well, I, I like I made the re- rewind I remember, noise. <laughs> I remember the whole, we were in your garage, I think. Yeah, we were in my garage, and because it's a really hard subject for me to talk about, because he's such an anti-Semitic racist. Anywho, which you think is, he'll make a comeback? You can't come back after the shit he said, man. You just can't. And then the last one, of course, number one, I'm going to have is Hot Fuzz by Edgar Wright because it understands the assignment of what it is. And on top of it being a really funny spoof movie of the genre, it understands the genre so much that it, it heightened it into a way of like, how many good cop movies have we seen since Hot Fuzz? I now now granted this came out in 2007 in and I've put in 2012 in World's End is not a cop movie. Um End of Watch or End of Watch is a good one. End of Watch well I mean like buddy cop comedy in this sense. Now The Heat again 2013. Those are two ones and then The Nice Guys 2016, but at the same time those are all I rank under a hot fuzz because Again, Nice Guys is the last one on the list because it. I do see it weaker. I I almost, instead of that, put um, The Other Guys, to be honest. The Other Guys almost made the list, but what hurts The Other Guys is the PG-13 version of The Other Guys, to be honest. The, the one they decide to release in theaters. The R-rated version of that movie is fantastic, Let's by the way. Cops. Let's Be Cops is awful. I watched that on my (laughs) birthday. It was so disappointing to watch that, but... Cop Out? Here's the thing. Cop Out is the... We already talked about that with Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan. It is a Kevin Smith film, and it makes me sad because it is... The movie I've decided is where... I don't like using this term sellout, but if there was a physical representation of a director selling out, 
it is cop out. He this, literally copped out for a Hollywood, a pure Hollywood film. The uh, same year that Shaun, and, Shaun of the Dead came out, uh, Starsky and Hutch. Starsky and Hutch almost made the list, but at the same time, it's like... Two Guns, I remember that. Two Guns was one I almost considered, but I feel like... I don't know. It did give me, like, the idea of asking around the theater at that time of, like, what do you think, like, the best way to rob a bank would be? Would you consider <laughs> R.I.P.D.? It is a buddy cop comedy, but, but I wouldn't the, consider a good buddy it's cop in, comedy. It's, like, it's, it's kind of like a... It's not really dealing with real people, though. Well, neither is Men in Black, and I put Men in Black on my list. Yeah. Be, right along. But the thing is, it's like, Men in Black does, it just in RAPD, though, they are police officers. Right along, yes. I don't know why... I didn't think to put that on my list. I would I would have put that at my number 10, to be honest. What, Ride Along or R.I.P.D.? Ride Along. Not, mm, R.I.P.D.'s not making my list. <laughs> I, like, I like Bridges. I like Jeff Bridges, but I don't like R.I.P.D. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah. Um, the Hitman's Bodyguard? No. That's not a cop movie. No, no, no. Bodyguard no. Least, um, there was one movie. I'm going to give it a sh- special shout out. But I didn't... You know what? I should have put it on my list. Um, I I don't know why I didn't think of it. It's a Robert De Niro movie, and I just fucking it's not Night Watch, Night Run. Yeah, Night Run. I don't know why I didn't put Night Run on my list, but I would put that at number three almost. Wait, no, Midnight Run. I was halfway there. <laughs> Midnight Run. Midnight Run is a really good one. It has James Gro- Charles Groban and uh, wait, Charles Groban. Yeah, Charles Grodin and or Groban. Who's Charles Groban? Grodin? Roll Dex, help me out here. But De Niro's in it. And it's a really good one. Um that is why going back to that pod, De Niro wasn't in Die Hard. And um actually hold on, okay. De Niro wasn't in Die Hard because of Midnight Run. And Bruce Willis wasn't in Lethal Weapon because he was in Die Hard, and that's and then, uh, and they were like, "Fuck, we gotta just take Mel Gibson." <laughs> and but 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 Robert De Niro auditioned to be in Die Hard, and Mel Gibson or and uh, Bruce Willis auditioned to be in Midnight Run, and then but Mel Gibson was also almost in Die Hard. This is a big clusterfuck. But he was almost he was considered for Batman, but then he went to do Lethal Weapon Two. That's the Rolodex, folks. Welcome to my fucking mind. <laughs> Anywho, let's Wasn't wrap this... Wasn't he just in Flash, though? The Flash? Who? Who was the one that you said that um, you hated the Batman at the end? George Clooney? Oh, that's George Clooney. I, d- I hated the twist at the end. That it was George Clooney, because if you listen to the phone call, and this is, again, why The Flash is a fucking awful movie the more you talk about it. I don't It like is it. Michael Keaton's voice on that phone. It is clearly Michael Keaton's voice, and then they roll up, and I know the difference between a Clooney and a Keaton, okay? <laughs> There's a distinct difference. Uh, but yeah, this is... I would put this up there. I have an un... I can't say it's biased. I just really love Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, but this one probably edges it out a little bit as my favorite Edgar Wright film. But Scott Pilgrim, definitely number two. I would have to put... I don't know, Baby Driver and Shaun of the Dead is a toss-up. 
Um, I would have to say my least favorite of his would probably be The World's End. Or... No, I'd put The World's End because I really like sci-fi movies over actually Last Night in Soho. Last Night... But you know what, though? Last Night... If that's your lowest movie, that's pretty fucking good still. Because that's still a good movie. Um, but yeah, um, I recommend this to anyone who hasn't seen it. If you have listened to this entire podcast, what the fuck are you doing? Watch the movie. Um, you're a winker if you haven't. You're a winker. <laughs> Damn it. Um, but yeah, um, oh god, the bag is outside again. I'm so bad with the popcorn bag. What movie should we do next? <laughs> I had one in my head the other earlier. I lost it. We t- we were talking about a movie we should have done earlier. I am your host, and thank you always for listening, and thank you for joining me as always, Cody. Um, if you like the podcast, rate us, uh, share us, like and subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, let's get this ball rolling. Let's get this really cooking for us now, Cody, because this is the episode. This is where shit changes. <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, I'm your host, Brian the Movie Guy, along with co-host extraordinaire Cody Wilfong, and as like we like to say... Salute. Oh, that was new. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> hey, Biggin. Playtime's over.